Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. Your hosts, Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson, have been described as not blowhards. Join them as they discuss the matters at the heart of the Dynasty community. From rookie advice to trade analysis, plant your flag here. This is the Dynasty Pulse, presented by DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. Welcome to the Dynasty Pulse Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins later. Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, feeling pretty good about the Skins being 4-2. and two. I definitely, uh, when I was in Philadelphia a few weeks ago watching the Eagles absolutely throttle the Steelers, I did not think we were going to get a win versus them this year. So, real happy about that. How are you doing today? Yeah, yeah, the book is kind of, I'm doing good. The uh, book is kind of out on uh, how, to, how to beat the Eagles. Uh, we'll see uh, see what the Vikings can do. That should be a, a good game there as those two defenses go toe-to-toe there. Um, yeah, they are, they are certainly uh, are beatable. And, you know, with their rookie quarterback, there's going to be some, some growing steps. But, yeah, they they looked like they had a lot, lot going on, there, and they've now lost uh, two straight there. So um, let's get to some week six notes here, Nick. Uh Unbelievable, Jay Ajayi, 200 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was that was got to be the shock of the weekend. Um, I was unfortunately traveling and having car trouble, so I didn't get to watch much of the Sunday action. But uh, I couldn't believe it when I saw that score in my phone. Uh, what are some of your thoughts on the Week Six? Well, I'll start off in the AFC South, where, of course, Jacksonville's Marquise Lee and Tennessee's Kendall Wright led their teams in receptions, proving once again that best ball formats are superior. I mean, come on, if you're rostered these guys for this long, you deserve to be re- rewarded when they do perform. Uh, another, another statistical oddity, Darius Hayward Bay was Pittsburgh's leading rusher over Le'Veon Bell with one carry for 60 yards. Uh, moving to the New York Giants, have you ever seen a head coach and quarterback publicly throw shade on a wide receiver who just had an eight-catch, 222-yard day with two touchdowns, including the game-winning score like they're doing to Odell Beckham? You know, I get that you don't want the penalties that he sometimes takes, but and we're behind closed doors, not in the media. And, you know, by the way, the Giants' former coach, Tom Coughlin, was always labeled as such a hardcore, almost military-style disciplinarian. It doesn't seem like any of that rubbed off on either Odell or the former offensive coordinator, now head coach McAdoo. Uh, finally, during the last game of the week on Monday afternoon, uh, my coworkers were pretty amused, I think, when after his third touchdown of the day, I yelled out, I'm in love with a man and his name is David Johnson. But, I mean, I know we all get a little emotional when we go into the Monday game thinking we lost and then one of our studs just absolutely goes off the way Johnson did with three touchdowns, propelling our team to an improbable victory. Absolutely. I, I had the league I have David Johnson and I started up by 17. He had Forte and Marshall. And I had Johnson in the Arizona defense. So I was feeling feeling like I could pull it out, but yeah, I ended up winning about like fifty. It was awesome. Uh yeah. Who who doesn't get excited after your player scores his third touchdown of the game? I mean that's 
Unbelievable. Um, one thing that stood out to me, uh, Ty Montgomery, 12 targets, 10 receptions, uh, three carries, maybe a sign of things to come. Uh, some, excuse me, some rumors are flying. <sighs> excuse me. Uh, some rumors are flying that he is going to see some running back carries this week as well, uh, along with maybe a guy named Don Jackson, who's been promoted from the practice squad. Uh, our buddy Joseph wrote about him in the waiver wire yesterday, so make sure you check that out. A rookie, undrafted rookie out of Nevada, run, runs a four four seven forty. So that could be a interesting speculative ad there. We'll get to more waiver fodder here in a second. Um, I got a message from Bruce Arians. Uh, guess what? Your quarterback is over the hill in football terms and coming off a concussion. How about? taking him out of the game when you're up by three scores in the fourth quarter. Did you, did you see that final drive where Michael Floyd scored that touchdown? Or at least just run the damn ball. I mean, they're like doing shotgun and throwing the ball downfield. He got Colcock from behind like at least twice on that final drive. The guy just came off a concussion. What are you doing, Bruce Arian? Seriously. Um, and finally, Nick, I, I, we have to talk about it. And I guess we'll give it our best uh, fantasy angle, but uh, Dak, Dak versus Romo, what are your thoughts? Well, as a Skins fan, I definitely hope they put Romo back in. I mean, the, the team is just playing so well with uh, Dak Prescott at quarterback. Uh, but from a rational perspective, you have to say you got to leave Dak Prescott in there until they start losing, right? I mean, they're, the team is just playing so hot right now. I think really the only two people that think that Tony Romo should be back inserted into the lineup are probably Tony Romo and Drew Bledsoe, right? <laughs> uh, maybe Jerry Jones. Just just depends on the time of the day you ask him. Uh, yeah, you know, Dak's not putting up top five QB numbers by any means, but he's winning. He's getting the job done. They aren't letting him throw downfield like he did in the preseason. And so we'll see what happens when they do that, you know, if they get Des Bryant back. But you know, he's winning without Dez, and obviously either one of these quarterbacks would have Ezekiel Elliott, who's doing amazing things in the, that Dallas backfield. But, yeah, I just don't think there's a reason for the change. Um, I mean, we're going to talk about this guy. We're going to talk about this in the Q&A, kind of the value of both of these players right now. And I, I just can't honestly think that somebody is, for one, buying Romo. Maybe if he's on the waiver wire and need an extra quarterback, I get that. Uh, but actually going to start him when he comes back, knowing the full well that, I mean, obviously anybody, but this is Tony Romo, can take a hit in the first or second quarter and be done. And you're, there, is, there go all your points from, your, from one of the top scoring positions. I just can't imagine anybody would trot Romo out there until he's done like three or four games in a row. And I don't even see him getting through – two full games without getting dinged up. So stick with Dak. You know what you have in Romo. Let him be the backup. If it, if push comes to shove, he can come in and come in and win win you some games. What if what if Dak gets him to the to the deep in the playoffs and then gets hurt and then Romo Romo carries them the final six quarters and he's a hero. How about that? Uh another Cowboys Super Bowl, huh Nick? What do you think? <laughs> well, that would be a great story for anybody that doesn't root against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the war bonnet off there for a second and discussing the Cowboys there in a nice a nice matter. Just uh, some waiver fodder. Who are you looking at this week, Nick? 
Oh, well, uh, not a whole lot of guys really this week jumping out at me. If, if Chicago's wide receiver Meredith by chance slips through the cracks in your league, he's a must-add. I really wish I had bid higher on him in, last week. I got zero copies. Uh, Niall Davis in Green Bay is an intriguing name. Uh, now with Lacey and Starks hurt, like you mentioned earlier, you know, I always thought he was a guy who su- could succeed if given a shot, and it looks like he may be, although it could take a week or two for him to get acclimated into that offense. Uh, in Tampa Bay, Adam Humphreys, I think, could have been a fifth for Vincent Jackson being placed on injured reserve. Uh, C.J. Fedorowicz, tight end, has been pretty steady as of late in Houston. He's had at least four catches in each of the last three games and two touchdowns over that span. Uh, could be one of those year three tight end breakout type situations. Uh, I did uh, originally had a Cincinnati's linebacker Vincent Ray listed because I just assumed that Perfect would be getting suspended for his actions last week. Uh, that doesn't <laughs> seem to be the case for whatever reason. I have no idea that you know diving at a guy's knee and stomping on another guy. I don't know how that doesn't get you suspended, but it seems to be the, that Perfect will be playing this week. And then uh, in San Francisco, the running back Mike Davis reportedly will be starting in uh, in in lieu of the injury to Carlos Hyde. Wow. Didn't you rip me apart for still owning Mike Davis last week? Uh, or was that two weeks ago? Uh, uh, I don't own any copies now, and now he's starting. Are you, are you kidding me? Well, he only put up like 13 yards and five carries last week, so uh, things are going from bad to worse in San Francisco very, very quickly. So, I mean, if you need an RB, you know, maybe put in a claim on Davis, but don't don't expect a whole lot from him, unfortunately. I mean, I loved him at college and thought he would translate well, but that's we'll, it's been a long time since that, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe Kelly's going to have a good good week of practice and they'll they'll, they'll figure some things out. But I'm not not holding out too much hope there. Um, Ricardo Lewis is a guy that's gaining some steam in um, Cleveland with uh, Terrell Pryor potentially out. He could certainly be in for a, a good uh, good target share this week. Um, I wonder who who are you replacing Big Ben with, Nick? I um not really thinking about it. I actually traded the where I own Big Ben. I actually traded Devin Funches for a second and Tyrod Taylor a couple weeks ago, and I'm glad I did that because my other quarterbacks were uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jared Goff. So uh, the Tyrod show for the next month for me. Who are you replacing Big Ben with? Um, well, just off the top of my head, I think uh, Brian Hoyer and uh, Case Keenum are a couple guys that are available in a lot of leagues to go out and sign. But really, if you had Ben Roethlisberger as your starting quarterback, he gets hurt every single season. If you haven't, you know, if you didn't have a solid backup plan in place already, that that was a pretty risky move going into the season to begin with, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. This is actually the first time I think I've ever owned him. Uh, but uh, we, yeah, we know the history certainly. Um, I think I also think that uh, Matt and we talked a little bit about this via text yesterday but I think like Matt Asiata might be an actual more a more valuable asset than Jarek McKinnon at this time I, I we know McKinnon's probably going to see the more carries but Asiata's been doing getting some things done I don't think he's just a goal line short yardage guy he actually catches the ball and Strung a couple decent weeks together. We'll see. Uh, I don't really hold out any hope for anybody in the offense on either side when uh, the Eagles and Vikings meet this week. But uh, we'll see. We'll see who who arises from there. But uh, any thoughts on Asiata versus McKinnon? 
you know, I'm personally more of a, a volume guy when it comes to running backs. I would prefer the guy who's getting the majority of the touches like McKinnon as opposed to the, you know, he's seen as a goal line guy like you mentioned with Eliada, and he is expanding his role a little bit, but he still isn't seeing the amount of volume that uh, McKinnon's getting. So as of right now, I would still have to stick with Jared. Okay, okay. Well, that's, that's a fair point. Uh, we do have a – I forgot to mention earlier, we have a great show for you, as always. Uh, nice dynasty dilemma coming up here in just a couple minutes as we look at a couple struggling wide receivers and Tyler Lockett and Michael Floyd. Some sit our start, four against with Jameis Crowder uh, – Jameson Crowder, excuse me um, – and Dynasty Trade Analysis, and of course, Mr. Chuck Podeski is going to be stopping by in about 45 minutes to do some uh, ATS time, so that should uh, that should be fun there. I'll see how we did last week. I don't think I did very well, but uh, we'll see. Um, so we this week we had uh, Tyler Lockett versus, excuse me, Michael Floyd. Nick had the option to choose this week, so he will go first after the clip, which... I don't have in front of me. to admit, I'm not sure what Arizona's doing right now with uh, Michael Floyd. Uh, he had zero catches in week five. Then on uh, Monday night game, barely saw the field in the first half before catching two passes in the second half. Uh, in six games, Michael Floyd only has 14 catches and under 200 yards. Uh, Floyd was also under 850 yards in each of his last two years, and he's only had one season over 1,000 yards in four years prior to 2016. I'm thinking Floyd is kind of peace, and playing in a contract year, we have no clue where he will be in 2017, on what team or where on that team's depth chart he'll wind up. Uh, now, Tyler Lockett is currently playing through a knee injury right now. So he doesn't look like he did last year. He doesn't have the speed yet or the burst. Uh, he likely won't help a lot, a whole lot this year. But long-term, I think he's a far safer bet for production, playing with a very good young quarterback in an offense that has been trending more towards the pass-heavy scheme for quite a while. Now, I know many of us here at DFW had perhaps an unfairly high hopes for uh, for Lockett coming into the year. And when young players begin to disappoint, that's the time to buy, especially with your team isn't contending this season. Lockett is only 24, so he should be able to bounce back very nicely next year. So if Lockett's owner's team is contending, try to get him and a draft pick in exchange for an older veteran who's not going to help you in the future when you are ready to contend, but still has value now. Somebody like a Jonathan Stewart, for example. You know, Michael Floyd, on the other hand, has been kind of a buy-low candidate for over a year now. I just don't see him ever being even really a trustworthy flex play in the future. What do you think, Josh? Uh, fair points. And yeah, that's one thing to keep in mind with, like Nick said, with that Tyler Lockett, uh, I was hoping you'd miss that, but, uh, <laughs> that knee injury has been really bothersome on him. So I, I actually like, really like both of these guys. I, I've been burned by Floyd in the past, but, uh, Bill Servi just slapped me across the face one day and said, get over that. So I did. And, uh, uh, I'm, back, I'm back on his train now. I do think both these players are struggling to find consistent targets right now. Uh, Floyd struggled to Floyd struggled to stay healthy last year, and he just really hasn't had that monster breakout game that we know this year, like we know he is capable of. For all his for all the preseason hype, including 
named the Matt Perception Perception Harmon's breakout player. Lockett is having an awfully rough start to the season. Just 11 receptions on 151 yards. Uh, and th- that certainly was not what his owners envisioned through five games. Floyd, through six games, has 14 receptions, 192 yards, and three touchdowns. Both are currently wide receiver threes on their respective teams in terms of snap percentage, as Lockett has seen 49% to Floyd's 65. Uh, Curse and Baldwin are above Lockett, and, of course, John Brown and Fitzgerald are above Floyd on their respective teams there. As as I see them, really the biggest factor going against Floyd is probably Larry Fitzgerald. Now, Floyd, like Nick said, is a free agent at the end of the season. He could potentially be a wide receiver one on a different team next year. Or if Larry actually ever retires, Floyd could stay put because we know he's comfortable in that system. Lockett, on the other hand, might be the most gifted weapon in Seahawks offense. Yet he is tied for fourth in targets with Christian Michael at 20 targets apiece. Uh, Side note, uh, Christian Michael had five career targets before this season. Uh, Lockett also has gone from a player worth a first-round pick and some change to a player easily droppable in seasonal formats and shallower dynasty. I'm not saying you should do that, but I'm saying that people have certainly considered that and, and done it in seasonal formats. But this is a dynasty dilemma. So at six foot three, 220 pounds, the former Golden Domer Floyd is realistically the ideal size for an X or wide receiver one. He is currently being targeted on 13% of Zona's pass attempts, which is an astounding just 1% less than Larry Legend himself. Lockett is at 12% in that, in that target, target percentage for the team, but his no touchdowns are very worrisome. Head coach Pete Carroll made it a point to come out and say that Lockett will have a bigger role left before last week's showdown with Atlanta. The result was five targets, three receptions, and 23 yards. Meanwhile, Michael Floyd's probably still dancing from his uh, touchdown, his third touchdown of the season on Monday night. Any any rebuttal there, Nick? Well, I, I agree with you, uh, Lockett. In in redraft leagues, he is probably droppable. I would I, I'm not gonna not gonna argue that point. But I will say, you know, you mentioned that uh, Michael Floyd could be. Um, you know, as a free agent in the next offseason, could be promoted to higher than wide receiver three on whatever team's depth chart he uh, ends up with. Well, the last time an Arizona wide receiver uh, wide receiver three was a free agent and moved on, that was Andre Roberts to Washington, and that did not work out very well whatsoever. So I, I just I worry about him being more of a system guy there in Arizona and that his numbers could fall even farther if he were to leave that system. Okay. Well, I think he's a wide receiver three right now in terms of snap percentage, but we know that he's not the slot. He's not playing the big slot. We know that's that's John Brown's thing. So, uh, you know, another Arizona wide receiver that left, Anquan Bolden, and he did all right for himself after there. I mean, I obviously know that Very many many coaches ago, different, certainly a different system. But um, and you know, I do say that knowing that you know. Not necessarily uh, – we wouldn't expect that, but we also saw Brock Osweiler get $72 million for, what, seven <laughs> NFL starts? So, I mean, I mean, granted, it's a different position, but you think about a, a wide receiver, like I said, six foot three, 220 pounds. We've seen him be super successful 
if a team needs a guy like that to stabilize the rest of their offense, they're going to throw a bunch of money at this guy. He's This is like what he's fifth or sixth year in the league. I don't have his age in front of me, but he's could be hitting his prime and we'll, we'll see. We'll see where, where, it, where it ends up. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Any, any other thoughts there? Um, just that I, you said you're a Michael Floyd fan. I, I personally am not. I jumped off that bandwagon <laughs> a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, well, I jumped off that bandwagon on fire a couple of years ago, but I've come back. I've come back just, just because you, you know, it's there and in a perfect world, he could flourish again. Think if, well, obviously he would be the wide receiver one, but think if he went to Tampa Bay. We know Vince, I mean, Vincent Jackson has a, it's an ACL injury. I don't know if it's a tear or what, but I mean, he's not coming back. I mean, there's there's no way he's he's coming back to play for that team anytime in the next two years. Uh, so we we'll think if he was there opposite uh, my, uh, Mike Evans, that that would be nice, right? That would definitely be a good situation, and you know that would maybe cause me to change my mind. But I, I just with the lack of production that he's had recently, I, I have a hard time envisioning another team trusting him to be their wide receiver one or two uh, next season. Yeah, and I, the only thing I really say to his lack of production is he hasn't, he wasn't healthy all year last year, and he's probably just fallen out of favor a little bit in terms of targets because, well, like I said before, Larry Fitzgerald is your wide receiver one. I mean, your quarterback always is going to be looking to see where he's at and probably always knows that Larry's going to run his pattern perfectly and be where he wants him to be at that moment in time. So we'll see. Time will tell on that one. I like Lockett, but I think there's just a limited ceiling. I, I feel like the overwhelming sensation with Lockett here at DFW amongst everybody is like people like he's, not Antonio Brown, right? I mean, right? He's not that good, but but he could be, you know, somewhere close to that. So I, I like, well, obviously, like both these guys. I actually don't even own any copies of Floyd right now. I'm not think about it. Maybe I'll have to trade low. Um, moving on, let's get to some sit or start. Um, is there a London game this week? I, I have that written down, and I can't. I, can't, I think are the Rams and Giants playing in London? What, what do I think? They are. Um, yeah, that, okay. That's right. <laughs> I feel like I've heard nothing about that. Um, so, first one, Drew Brees at Kansas City <clears throat> or Eli Manning versus L.A. in London? Well, to me, this is a no no question I'm going to go with Eli in this one. Uh, Drew Brees is just not as good on the road. Plus, he's facing a really solid defense and uh, playing in one of the toughest road environments there in Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. Uh, you know, the L.A. defense is also strong, but that's a long, long road trip to from L.A. to London. You know, even if they left on Monday, they could still be jet-lagged a week later. You know, I know when I traveled a six-hour time zone difference recently, I was still jet-lagged a week later, so... I, I really question why the NFL would make a team do that. I don't think a West Coast team should be forced to play in London any more than an East Coast team should be forced to play in a, in Japan or China if they decide to go with the Asia route at some point in the future. So the, the, that decision by the NFL really confuses me. So I'm definitely going to go with uh, Eli to, to succeed in the shorter road trip to London. Makes sense. I would, they probably weren't the L.A. Rams when they agreed to play in London, though, in 2016. Um, well, we'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's just a tough, t- 
tough environment. Kansas City did place Allen Bailey and Justin Marsh on IR this week, so that they're losing a couple defensive starters. Um, but uh, yeah, they 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 got they can fill in the gaps. They just promoted uh, Ramit Wilson from the practice squad, who is a guy that I absolutely love. Uh, I think he could. I don't know how quick his role is going to increase there, but uh, he certainly has a, an opportunity to step up there. So I, I like that move there. Um, yeah, I got to go with Eli too. The the Rams secondary is a little bit beat up, so hopefully, hopefully they can uh, some keep a keep somebody in to keep Aaron Donald under control and Eli can hit some deep balls and come out of there with a three four touchdown game. And maybe four is a little stre- a stretch, but uh, I'll take four if he throw. I'll give you two interceptions for Eli if he can throw four touchdowns out of that zone. So yeah, I think he's definitely going to have the uh, uh, the bigger day. Derek Carr at Jacksonville or Matthew Stafford versus your Washington Redskins. Nick, what do you think? Well, I think they're both pretty strong plays this week, but the Skins defense did finally start to get some good penetration last week, sacking Carson Wentz five times. If they can put that same sort of pressure on Matt Stafford, he could struggle. So I think uh, Carr is probably a safer play this week against a not, not quite a strong Jacksonville defense. Okay. Um, what if I threw Blake Bortles into the mix here, Nick? Ooh, um, that's tough. I think the game is in Jacksonville. I think I might lean Blake Bortles, but it's basically a coin flip. Yeah, yeah. Stafford's got, like you said, that tough secondary to Washington to go up against, even though the game is in Detroit. What... What is the history with the Lions in Washington? They've like never beaten them in Washington, and <laughs> they just—it seems like no matter how, what your team records are, they just can't. Washington is just like a team that the Lions always have trouble with. Um, I like Carr, um, but yeah, if I threw Bortles in, there, I would definitely go Bortles because that's terrible. Uh, I would definitely go Carr over Stafford in this this equation, and I'm not really a. a D- DFS guy. I'm not a, like a, a professional in means. I do I do play against my 13 year old son every week, and we're like three and three on the season. So uh, take that for what it's worth. But if I could give away any piece of DFS advice this week, uh, Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson, even even Marquise Lee, yeah, play them against the Silicon secondary because they they get lit up each and every week. So uh, I would definitely play them. Um, Tyrod Taylor. At Miami or Ryan Tannehill versus Buffalo. What do you think? Well, I didn't go through the entire list of all 32 NFL starting quarterbacks, but I, I don't know if there's a starting quarterback that I would sit right now in favor of Tannehill. Uh, over his last three games, he only has one touchdown to three interceptions. He's got zero 300-yard games, two games under 200 yards. I mean, at least Colin Kaepernick at least gets you 50 yards rushing to have a nice little floor there. Um, yeah, so I definitely have to lean with Tyron Taylor in this one. So who is Geno Smith and the Jets playing this week? You're going to start Geno <laughs> over over Taylor? Yeah, I, I guess I meant more like incumbent starting quarterbacks rather than, you know, yeah. Geno Smith, Landry Jones, those type of guys. <laughs> people people that have some fantasy value. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the one thing that's going in this game is 
Rashard Jones could be lost for the season for Miami, and he is a top IDP safety, uh, and that that is just a huge loss for them. I have no idea who's going to step up, who's the, who even the next man up is there. Miami probably doesn't even know, but that that could be huge, and I think that's going to favor uh, favor Tyrod, who runs a whole bit. He is officially out for the season uh, with torn rotator cuff. They weren't. That's a that's certainly a an injury. When you hear torn rotator cuff, you just you know, and they're not they're like, oh, question for a couple weeks. Don't don't hold on hope. They're done for the year. We saw the same exact thing go down with Eric Decker. So that's that's a big loss. So that that means I got to go Tyra easy there. Um, Walt Aikens is the next man up supposedly in strong safety. They are also is another Michael Thomas there, but we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens there, but that's a huge loss. So I definitely got to go, uh, Tyrod. He runs a little bit. So if you get a little extra, there's a little extra cushion there in your league for that. Uh, he's, he's a guy that he seems to never start out good. Like mid second quarter, you're looking at your game and Tyrod's got like two points or negative four or something like that, or negative point four. Uh, but he always ends strong. He always has a couple Seems like he always has a couple touchdown passes, 50, 60 yards on the ground. He's he's not a guy that's going to win you a matchup, but he's not going to kill you either. So I definitely got to go uh, Tyrod there. And I'll, I'll be starting Tyrod probably in more than one league this week. So, um, Pick, since we talked about it earlier, pick a running back in the Minnesota-Philadelphia game, Nick. Well, well yeah, to me this just comes – uh, this just comes down to personal philosophy. I, I try not to chase touchdowns with running backs who don't get as many touches as their running mates. So I'm going to take Eric McKinnon, who has uh, 16, 18, and 20 carries over Minnesota's last three games. Uh, for comparison, Matt Asiata only has 6, 6, and 14 over that same span. And Asiata only has one more touchdown than McKinnon over those last three games, too. Um, I pretty much try to avoid anybody playing against Minnesota, so I'm not going to touch the <laughs> Philadelphia backfield in this one. So, yeah, I, I got to go with Jared McKinnon. What if Vikings fullback Zach Line, who we've never mentioned before on the podcast before, so there you go, Zach. What if he scores like two rushing touchdowns? I don't even know if he even has a carry on the season. But, um, yeah, you're right, not even thinking about the Philly backs. You know, Maybe Sproles busts off a big screen pass or something like that, but these Vikings linebackers are so quick. I just I, I just cringe to see anybody out in the flat against them. So, um, yeah, I think the the big issue is Benny Logan got hurt there for uh, the Philadelphia defense. If he is not able to play, I think I would go Asiata. And, and I know it's just one player on a defense, but. He is so laterally dominant. He is – he might not put up, but what he does for a defense, especially that Philly defense, and you saw he left in like the second quarter and Matt Jones went off for 135 yards last week. Matt Jones doesn't do that to just any team. Uh, they did it to, He did it to a team without their starting defensive end – or excuse me, defensive tackle. So if he doesn't play, I think I'm going to go Asiata because I think that's, that opens up – you know, two touchdown potential, multiple touchdowns. But if he's in there, I would probably stick with McKinnon. So I'll, we'll leave it at that. What about Frank Gore at Tennessee or Jeremy Hill versus Cleveland Browns? 
Well, right now, Jeremy Hill was dealing with a chest injury. He just doesn't look like himself. Uh, he's averaging under three and a half yards per carry each of the last three weeks. Uh, zero touchdowns in that span. Plus, Giovanni Bernard uh, got the goal line work last week. So, I, I have to lean with Frank Gore, who, on the other hand, he's been pretty decent over the last month and went over 100 yards last week. So, Frank Gore's definitely the guy I would side with in this one. I should know this, but even as a Frank Gore owner, I didn't realize how good a season he's actually put together. He hasn't maybe been consistent, but he certainly has had, excuse me, a decent year. Um, Tennessee is fairly decent against the run, but uh, I guess I don't know statistic-wise, but I feel like they do hold some people in check there. So Hill Hill seems seems like a dream matchup against Cleveland, but with the with the injury, you're not you're not sure there. So I, I definitely would go with uh, Frank Gore. This is kind of one of those my own team ones that I throw in here, Nick, and I actually ridded myself of Jeremy Hill yesterday. So uh, (laughs) uh, I don't care as much about this one. I ended up trading, I think I said that to you, I traded Jeremy Hill, Andy Dalton, and Travis Benjamin, and I got Alan Hearns and Spencer Ware in return. Any thoughts there? Just It's just a PPR redraft league, I should say, not not a dynasty's. Okay, the fact that it's a redraft and not dynasty makes it a little more even of a trade, but I still think you definitely got the better end of the deal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ware is out-touching Charles, and I think it's going to be a while before that happens. And I still have Frank Frank Gore and David Johnson in this league, and Travis Benjamin so inconsistent, so I had no no issues moving uh, moving on from him, not to mention my – I got Alan Hearns in return, and my other wide receivers in this league are T.Y., Demarius Hilton, Demarius Hilton, T.Y. Hilton, uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, Alan Robinson. So Alan Hearns certainly helps there if Robinson gets hurt, and then I also have Jarvis Landry. So I'm I pretty stacked there at wide receiver with uh, Alan Hearns probably on my bench most weeks. Um, Randall Cobb or Jordy Nelson tomorrow night. Versus the Chicago Bears, Nick. What do you think? Well, I think if I had Demarius Hilton, I would definitely start him over either of these guys. That guy sounds like a <laughs> But uh, in, in this dilemma, I think Jordy Nelson's probably safer. He's got five touchdowns so far and at least four catches every week. Uh, standard scoring, I would definitely go with Jordy Nelson. But in PPR leagues, a case could be made for Randall Cobb, who does have 16 catches over the last two games. I would still personally stick with Jordy Nelson, but I understand why some PPR, PPR owners might lean with Randall Cobb. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Well, Cobb is a little dinged. He did practice today, so it sounds like he's good to go. Uh, but uh, Jordy seems to be the touchdown guy, and Cobb seems to be the, the the volume guy over the last couple weeks there. So we'll see uh, we'll see how that works out there. But I I think I would probably lean Cobb too. I just because of the running back situation there in flux there for. Uh, for Green Bay, um, maybe Cobb even gets a couple carries. There's, maybe there's a lot more short, intermediate things uh, to hope, hopefully open up a deep ball, and I think that favors Cobb over Nelson there. Uh, Muhammad Sanu at, uh, versus San Diego or Travis Benjamin at Atlanta. What do you think? 
I'm a little bit torn. I think Travis Benjamin's probably the smarter play. Yeah, he's got two 100-yard games so far this season, two games with seven catches, and he had no games under three catches. But he's only scored in one game this season, and that's part of the reason that personally I would take a flyer on Mohamed Sanu coming off a five-catch, 47-yard, and one-touchdown game against Seattle's pretty strong defense. Uh, but I do admit that I am somewhat biased towards Mohamed Sanu, so I, I wouldn't be honest if I didn't throw that out there. But uh, Benjamin's probably the safer play, but I'm going Sanu because just because. Yeah, it's so inconsistent, and I don't think with just Rivers exactly knows who to throw to when he's dropping back. He just, you know, there's just so, I mean, Edmund was there last year. Uh, Tyrell was there a little bit. Benjamin's a new face. Hunter Henry, I mean, Rivers is dropping back to pass, and he's he just he just hasn't developed a rapport with anybody, but obviously Antonio Gates, but he's kind of on a limited snap count. So it's just like, who who is getting open? And I doesn't seem like the Falcons have been getting torched deep and that's kind of where Benjamin makes his living. So I think I would lean, lean Sanu too, because you know, you know who is enemy number one right now in the Chargers defensive room is Julio Jones. They're, they're doing all the type of things that they can try to figure out to, to contain him somewhat. So I, I think that that's going to be where their focus is. And then their second focus is going to be Freeman and Coleman uh, at the running back position. So Sanu could have himself a day. Um, I don't purposely put in tight end ones uh, to, to feel like this segment is boring, but uh, sometimes just, just it's hard to get excited about Cameron Brait at San Francisco or Vance McDonald at Tampa, but unless you own like Greg Nels or Greg Olson or Gronk, I mean, you're probably stuck with tight ends like this. So what do you think? Well, personally, I'm trying to avoid all San Francisco pass catchers until we get a few weeks to see how Colin Kaepernick's target distribution and passing yards are going to look like. Uh, Kaepernick was held to only 187 yards against Buffalo last week. Uh, you know, plus uh, in Cameron, Cameron Brace's favor, uh, wide receiver Vincent Jackson in Tampa Bay has done for the year. So I think all Buccaneers pass catchers should get a little bit of a bump uh, in his absence. So I, w- I would lean with Brace in this one. Uh, I would too, especially since the San Francisco uh, linebacking core is kind of in flux. They're trying to do all sorts of combinations to see what's going on and something get lost in translation. And Brace certainly has the better the better chances, I think, of scoring a touchdown in this game. Uh, I think it's kind of a must win for Tampa in this game. They, they've kind of been Jekyll and Hyde this year, so they need to pull out a win like this. And this is should be an easy win, even though it's on the road. Uh, Joey Bosa at Atlanta or Vic Beasley versus the Chargers. Nick, what do you think? I think this likely depends on how sack-heavy your uh, league scoring is. I expect Atlanta to have the lead most of this game, so Bosa would probably get more work getting tackles in the run game, uh, whereas Vic Beasley has more sack opportunities and San Diego plays catch-up. That's just the way I expect the game to unfold. So it probably just depends on your league scoring, but uh, in sack-heavy leagues, I would definitely lean with Vic Beasley. Yeah, I think I would just go Beasley anyway. Uh, Atlanta's... Offensive line has come together better than expected. Uh, you know they've they've certainly watched some films a couple games out on Bosa now, so they'll be doing what they can to control him. And, and Beasley is just kind of hit or miss. I mean, the 
sometimes those lanes open up and he takes it, and sometimes he's just lost for an entire day. So, um, Nick Belor or for Nick Belor versus Tampa or Zachary Orr at the Jets. What do you think? Well, Nick Belor has been playing pretty well since Navarro Bowman went down. Uh, he's had 23 tackles over the last two weeks. Uh, to put that in perspective, his career season high before that was 19 tackles all the way back in 2011. Uh, Belor, I think, is more likely also to be playing from behind. Plus, Chip Kelly's defenders are on the field a lot with that fast-paced offense. So I, I would side with uh, Nick Belor. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a, a, a fair bet. Orr has been having himself a pretty good year. To, uh, <laughs> I'd like to think that the Jets have tried to lean on the run with Geno at their quarterback, but uh, it hasn't worked so far. So <laughs> that run game got absolutely nothing going last week. So, uh, yeah, I'd definitely go below there too. Ooh, Josh Shaw versus Cleveland or Marcus Peters versus the Saints. What do you think? Well, Josh Shaw probably has a higher floor. He's going to have more tackle numbers, I would guess, just because uh, he sees more passes thrown in his direction. But Marcus Peters is intercepting passes like crazy. He had eight interceptions as a rookie last year. He already has five on the year this season. Uh, And it's not like Drew Brees and the Saints are going to avoid throwing the ball. So I think Marcus (laughs) Peters is a pretty good uh, ceiling there. So I'll, I'll side with Peters. Yeah, you know, it seems like a slam dunk for Peters, but, you know, if you need a cornerback in the fence, Shaw's been stringing together a few good weeks in a row. He's technically listed as a corner, but I think he kind of plays that that nickel role, so sometimes he's, you know, a, 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 in the backfield making plays there too. So he's not your, your traditional uh, corner that's not going to see, uh, you know, a lot of – a lot of looks are are just going to have limited tackle opportunity. He's he's strung a few good weeks together, so he's certainly somebody to uh, t- take notice of. But uh, yeah, the uh, the chances of Peters coming up with a big time interception here are definitely good. Um, I wonder how much a guy like Drew Brees going into a game like this studies Peters. That and I I would probably think he would. I mean, obviously you got to look at the defense as a whole. But when you, when you have a guy, like Nick said, he's got, well, the guy's got, what, 13 receptions and 20 NFL games, you got to look at – you really got to look at what exactly he's doing and, and how he's jumping routes or how he's getting those interceptions. So uh, it's hard to say somebody will have an interception, but I think he probably won't in this game. It's, it's a fair point by Nick just because of what he's done. But I think Breeze will maybe uh, – think he'll challenge him but he'll know where to challenge him so he's I mean Breeze is a smart quarterback so um so I think I'd actually go Shaw just because of the uh the tackle opportunities that he's been putting forward the last couple weeks so and uh, now that I've said that uh, Peters will probably have a couple pick sixes um (laughs) let's shift to uh for or against Time for, for, or again. Okay, so this week we take a look at um, Washington wide receiver Jameis 
Jameson Crowder. Uh, Nick has picked the four side, so he will go first. So what do you got for us in Jameson Crowder, Nick? Well, do you like touchdowns? Because Jamison Crowder has uh, a team leading four scores already, three three receiving and one punt return touchdowns already this year. Um, I do like touchdowns. Uh, he has been a pleasant surprise so far. Um, but I hate to always do this, but 5'8", 174 pounds, that's roughly three to seven inches away from him being a wide receiver one, right? <laughs> True. He he is a little bit diminutive, and he's probably not a weekly start quite yet, but he is a very nice bye week plug. You know, he's had at least two catches in every game that offers a nice floor along to, to go along with his touchdown upside. You know, there's nothing worse than having your bye week replacement guy put up a goose egg. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think – Either Josh Jackson or Crowder can be a wide receiver one. So I would not be surprised to see Washington spend another high pick on a wide receiver, especially with uh, Jordan Reed's current uh, situation. That could happen. And you know what? As a rookie, uh, Crowder surprised many, myself included, uh, with catching 59 passes for 604 yards and two scores. And while he's not having a breakout year in year two, he's also not having a sophomore slump either. Uh, 24 catches, 283 yards, and three receiving touchdowns through six games. That puts him on pace to top his uh, rookie numbers that were pretty impressive themselves. Uh, He is supposed to be the speedy slot receiver. Yet, I think feel like he's been more of a gimmicky slant player, and that's evidenced by his 10.7 yards per catch. But Crowder should have plenty of opportunities moving forward. He, he saw more work last week with Jordan Reed out with his sixth concussion since coming into the league. Six concussions. I mean, Reed's a heck of a player, but at some point he should maybe start to consider his future Well, with what we now know about head injuries. And also, Washington <clears throat> Two starting receivers, Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, are both free agents next offseason. And while Crowder is really good in the slot, and like you mentioned at 5'8", he's kind of built like a slot guy, it's not impossible to imagine Crowder lining up opposite 2016 first-rounder Josh Doxson or possibly keeping his slot role if they were to draft another receiver high. But still, even playing in the slot doesn't mean you can't be your team's number one receiver, just like Jordan Matthews in Philadelphia. Or you Redskins could sign Michael Floyd. There you go. Uh, <laughs> coming full circle now. Uh, my question really with uh, Crowder is what exactly is his ceiling? I, I I don't know if he's that Wes Welker, like 120 reception type of player. I just, I just don't think he's that type of player. I think rather he's maybe more of a 70, 80 catch guy with like an 800-yard potential and a cap of maybe six six scores per season and that's that's a, a, a like you said a nice a nice guy to have on your roster but I just don't know if he's going to be an, an every week starter as his as his uh, career progresses so that was yeah, that, for that, or against go ahead that, that's true, but you're you're definitely not paying the price for an every week starter if you're trying to gain Crowder right now. He his his value is definitely perceived as far lower than an every week starter. So you you're not gonna have to overpay it again, at least. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of Josh Doxson and Washington wide receivers, how concerned about are you with him with that Achilles injury, Nick? Um, concerned, yes, but definitely glad the team is, seems to be taking a long-term approach and letting him get fully healthy before throwing him back there on the field. Especially since they're so deep at receiver, they can afford to they can afford to be patient, right? Yeah. Wouldn't you almost, I mean, obviously you could just do like the short term. Wouldn't you rather just see him put him on IR and shut him down for eight weeks just to make sure? Because if he comes back, you know, next month and, and really hurts that thing, we know that could be, that could be a year for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. And plus putting him on the IR would free up another roster spot and you know how valuable those can be. Yeah, most definitely. Let's get to some dynasty trade analysis. Uh, Randall Cobb for Willie Sneed in the 2017 second. What are your thoughts there, Nick? I think this is a pretty fair trade. I'm personally not a huge Randall Cobb guy, so I would lean toward the side to pick up Willie Sneed in the, in the second round pick. Uh, but but I do think it's fair on both sides. <sighs> Uh, glad you put in the uh, the Randall there, so you didn't say I'm not a I'm not a huge Cobb guy. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm immature. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've we've made more several Cobb jokes in the past. I'm sure people are used to it. Um, I think I said stuck with my Cobb out last year, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I do. I would lean towards the that Willie Sneed side too, just because you get the second round pick. I I really think Cobb and Floyd. Uh, or excuse me, Cobb and Sneed are essentially the same player. At least Sneed's going to develop to be in the in that that offense there. So I I feel like it's a pretty fair trade. Just those two straight up. So if I'm getting a second, I'll certainly go go for that. Uh, Matt Forte, Adrian Peterson, Tyrell Williams, and the Kansas City defense for Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware, and the Arizona defense. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I have to side with the team that picked up the uh, two Kansas City running backs there with Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles. Uh, I do expect that Ware is going to be the lead back there in Kansas City over Charles moving forward, but you do have Charles there in case in case that, that situation were to flip-flop. Um, and, you know, Matt Forte playing on a really struggling offense. Adrian Peterson, we don't know what he's going to look like when he comes back from the injury. There's just too many question marks on that side. So I'll side with the team that picked up the Kansas City running backs in the Arizona yeah, I mean, really, honestly, the best player in this deal right now is probably Spencer Ware, um, and and you're getting Jamal Charles as well. So that <clears throat> excuse me that that helps uh, secure that uh, that backfield there for you. Um, maybe I should try to throw a Jack Kendrick West at the team who ever got Charles and Ware in this one. But uh, I, I I agree there too. We Forte, especially after last week, and now the with the uh, Geno Smith era fully underway. Just don't uh, like it. I think I might have said Geno Smith six times a day. Devontae Freeman and Vontez Burfick for Lamar Miller and DeAndre Levy. What do you think? Uh, I think short term, I would side with the team that picked up Lamar Miller and uh, DeAndre Levy, but Long term, I just worry about Miller. I think the Texans are probably going to just run him into the ground this season and next season. So uh, over the long haul, I think I would side with the team that picked up uh, Freeman. I just think he's got more longevity in, uh, in his career. 
Yeah, you know, Burfick certainly, uh, well, he is what he is. And I think I found this one kind of buried in my notes. I think this one happened probably a few weeks ago, and Levy is still hasn't played since, like, week one. So I guess I would shade the Freeman Burfick side just because they're, they're both playing right now. Lamar Miller's looked pretty awesome. He was tearing up Indianapolis the other night. That was pretty fun to watch that type of uh, that dominance from an NFL running back. I know he didn't rush for like 300 yards, but what he did that night was pretty special considering they were down most of the time. He had a fairly decent rushing day, which you don't see very often when you're losing in the NFL. Uh, Doug Martin and a 2017 third. Four, Christian Michael and a 2017 second. What do you think? Um, I've never personally been a a huge Doug Martin fan. I just don't trust the injury history there. Uh, So, you know, to be able to pick up a guy like Christine Michael, who for this season is probably going to help you out more than Doug Martin, plus you get to move up in next year's draft or another round from round three to round two, I I have to side with the the team that picked up Michael. Yeah, you know, I think I kind of agree with you there, Nick. I feel like when I first saw this trade, I was like, holy Christian Michael price check. <laughs> have we have we really got have we really bumped him up that much? But he has been put some stuff together and he's been a very consistent player. And like you said, he's gonna help you out more this year, so and you get a higher pick. Yeah, definitely why not? Uh Jordan Matthews and a two thousand seventeen third for Malcolm Mitchell, two thousand seventeen first and a two thousand seventeen second. What do you think there, Nick? This is another really close one to me. I, I think I would side with the team who picked up the extra picks, the first and the second round pick. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell, who knows what he's going to develop into. But you know, Jordan Matthews, he kind of is what he is, and those drops really scare me as far as uh, Philadelphia trusting him to be their wide receiver one uh, in 2017-2018. So I'm not convinced that he's going to continue the type of production that we've seen from him just because of those drops. So I'll side with the uh, the team that picked up the first and second round pick there with Malcolm Mitchell. Yeah, and this trade was made before the Matthews injury. I think he is a little bit of a question mark for Philadelphia, uh, but uh, at least this week. Uh, but and I, I would probably lean towards that your way there too, Nick. Um, getting those extra picks, but. Uh, you know, it it is really what you do with those picks, and I know some people are pretty crafty. When you're getting a 2017 first, people are treating those like gold right now. So you could you could turn that into something else. Um, certainly something certainly something better than Malcolm Mitchell. So that that's I think one thing to keep in mind. Uh, but yeah, I would I would probably lean that side too. I do like Jordan Matthews, and I think he's still got some developing to do. So I think he's going to be better than the product we're seeing right now. I agree the drops are concerning, but hopefully they get that. Hopefully he can get that ironed out because I think he's just so there's just so much raw talent there. It's going to be good for him. So, but definitely lean the Mitchell side. Okay. We have Mr. Chuck Podeski patient, patiently waiting on the phone. Let me patch him through here. One second. I keep forgetting to play his music. Now I'm going to do it. Hey, 
Chuck, are you there? Well, good mo- <clears throat> good morning. Boy, my uh, my voice is a little it's a little weak. I've been sick for like uh, two or three days. We had uh, a lot of wind in Las Vegas last uh, Friday and Saturday, and I was out giving Segway tours, talking all throughout it. And I woke up Sunday with uh, with quite a bad sore throat. So that's what you that's the risk you take around Las Vegas. <laughs> I think you sound all right to me. Good, Maybe. good. Don't be so hard uh, on yourself. Just when I try to hit the high notes, it'll uh, it'll it'll uh, go okay. in. So, um, <laughs> is Eddie Lacy? You know, I'm I'm seriously considering dropping Eddie Lacy and picking up Niall Davis. I mean, seriously <laughs> dropping Lacy and let somebody else have the headache. Yeah, uh, there's not a Packers fan you can pawn him off on. What's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I guess I should try to trade him, but uh, yeah. Oh, anyway, what else was I going to tell you? Did you guys hear that uh, Lashawn McCoy got hurt in practice today? Whoa, no, I didn't. Yeah, he left with a hamstring. Um, they don't know how serious it is. Just, uh, just thought everybody should know that. He did get hurt in their game last week and missed right. a few series, but he came back. So that that is yeah. certainly uh, something of note. I know, that's what I thought it was. And then they said, no, he left practice today with a hamstring injury. So um, just keep that in mind, uh, something to be looking for as you uh, make your starting lineups. Mm-hmm. So how did we do last week? Last week, um, we had uh, – we had. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a little poetic license since we all picked the same one. Uh, we – all supposedly lost on Detroit minus three and a half, but since the game when the line went down to three before the game, I'm going to give us all a push on that game. How's that? Deal. Deal. <laughs> since this isn't any tournament or a PGA tournament or anything. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I was eight. I was eight five and two. You were seven six and two, and uh, Nick was six seven and two. All right. We okay. Yeah, that's not too bad. I'll tell you, I'll take eight and five any any time. Um, what else? I guess we uh, move on to the next week, right? Yes, sir. You have any? Uh, do you have any uh, bitterness over last week, Josh? What was your over worst the Raiders? <laughs> over the Raiders? Ah. Uh-huh. I actually picked Kansas City in that game. but I know. I ha- I have to say I had faith in the Raiders and uh, Kansas City uh-huh. won. So you and Nick both got that one. Anyway, <laughs> um, on to this week. Chicago and Green Bay. This is a strange game. The Packers favored by seven and a half. And uh, that's even with the news of Lacey probably not playing. Um, Thursday night game, the Bears at the Packers. And the Packers favored by seven and a half in that one. <clears throat> Since it's the Bears, I go first this time, right? Yes, sir. I'm going to go with my Bears. Uh, look at look at all the injuries Green Bay has. It's it's kind of a mess. They're probably going to have to start Niall Davis and, and whoever that guy was they brought up from their practice squad. Um, Green Bay is first versus running backs and 23rd or worse on every other category. 
the Bears are 12th versus running backs, but it, it's not going to be a running back game. Uh, I would say look to the over on this. The over-under is 46-and-a-half. And uh, you might just uh, pick up Niall Davis and, and uh, if you're really in need of a running back. But I'm going to take the Bears plus seven and a half here. I I have a, a hard time thinking Niall Davis is going to get a whole lot of work in this game unless they're up by a few scores just because, I mean, they traded for him Tuesday and they play on Thursday. Uh, so I, I, the other guy, the practice squad guy is Don Jackson. I, I see him and – they talked about Ty Montgomery getting some carries there too, maybe Randall Cobb. So I think they'll piece some things together there. But, yeah, that's just too many points, like you said, with the injuries. And Green Bay doesn't have their running game going. Chicago can keep that extra extra uh, DB out there and, and shut things down. So I, I just got to go with Chicago. That's just too many points. Nick, what do you think? Oh, I agree. Way, way too many points. I think that point spread is probably indicative of people still figuring the Packers as being like the 2014 offensive Packers as opposed to this year where Aaron Rodgers has struggled. You guys mentioned the injury woes they have as running back. So, yeah, I don't know if Chicago can win this one, but they'll definitely keep it within a touchdown. Yeah, Green Bay has not been. Uh, they've just looked out of out of, out of sync or something. And and you know, how do you get in sync uh, when all your guys are missing too? So, and you you brought up a good point, uh, uh, Josh, and that is the fact that Ty Montgomery may take some snaps out of the backfield too here. So, uh, it's going to be a weird game. Uh, I think the Bears have enough to hold it close. All right, the next game starting Sunday, the New York Giants are – now, is it, this has got to be a London game, right? Yes. Yep. Starts at 9.30 my time in the morning. Actually, 9.30 your time, 6.30 my time in the morning. The Giants are three-point favorites over the Rams. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take the Giants in that one and lay those points. I just don't know what the Rams are going to be able to do to uh, to slow slow the Giants down at all facets of the game. I mean, they'll certainly have their advantages here and there, but I I just I just like the Giants at this more at this stage. So uh, Nick Nick, what do you think? Um, and what time does that game start? Your time. <laughs> yeah. uh, that would be three thirty a.m. is when that game kicks off. Uh, wow. Is, but... <laughs> the, the the Rams have been playing better football than I thought they would at three and three. But, again, that's such a long road trip going all the way from the West Coast in L.A. to, to London, England. I, I just cannot pick the Rams. So i got to go with the Giants to win this one. Well, uh, Jeff Fisher has returned to uh, even <laughs> even his record at 3-3. Three and three. So, uh, you know, what does he do? Whatever he does this week, he'll do the opposite next week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Rams to keep it close here. I, I – uh, I I think it's a little inflated because everybody thinks Odell Beckham is back, you know, and and uh, there, there's a real public sentiment on the Giants. So I think the the lines inflated a little bit too much. So I'm just going to go with the Rams. Don't feel strongly about it, but I'm going to take the Rams plus the points. Minnesota Vikings okay. are in Philadelphia to take on the Eagles, and the Vikings train just keeps on rolling. Minnesota favored by two and a half. Over the Eagles. Wow, I was all all ready to pick the Eagles in this game, but I was I was feel like they were going to be bigger, 
bigger dogs at home. So I'll just the field goal for the Vikings. Yeah, I got I got to take. I gotta take Minnesota. That's just that's just the smart move, right, Nick? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was expecting this to be more along the lines of a five point spread, but under a field goal, yeah, I definitely without question have to take the Vikings in this one. Yeah, I normally would go for a home team dog here. In fact, I'm kind of worried myself. I picked a lot of uh, road <laughs> road dogs this week, but um, and I wanted to pick Philadelphia, but they just have kind of come down to earth the last couple of weeks. And the way the Vikings train has been rolling, you kind of don't want to step in front of it. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, and take the Vikings in this one. I just, I mean, even though the Packers do have a good, or excuse me, the Packers, the um, Eagles do have a good defense. Uh, Minnesota has a better defense and, you know, probably a low scoring game, but I'm going to take the Vikings to win by, by at least a field goal. Right. Next new Orleans is in Kansas city. Uh, Kansas city is six and a half point favorite here. Now the over under on this game has reached the 50 mark. It's 50 and a half. Wow. And what was the spread again? Six and a half Chiefs at home. That seems like a lot of points, but I, I just don't have any faith with the Saints on the road. So I'll I'll take the Chiefs and lay those points. Nick, what do you think? I think that's just too many points. Uh, you know, the, the Saints have scored 155 points on the year. That's more than anyone in the AFC. So uh, uh, scratch that. I'm sorry. Uh, the the, the that would be second in the AFC. They're obviously not an AFC team, but just looking at the, the statistics real quick. So I, I think uh, to, to take such a high-scoring team like the Saints and put them at almost a touchdown underdog is, is just too many points. So I'm going to go with the Saints. I don't think they'll win this game, but I see it as more of a three, four, five-point game rather than a touchdown game. You can uh, you can get a good feel for this game by looking at your fantasy statistics, and I want to remind everybody that the fantasy statistics will help you Handicap games also. The Kansas City Chiefs are 22nd in the league against wide receivers, um, which that's what that's what New Orleans does. On the other hand, New Orleans is 32nd against running backs. So look for a big running game by the Chiefs, which they do best, and look for a good uh, passing game by the uh, New Orleans Saints. I'm going to say that the Kansas City running game will keep it under the total, and I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be lower scoring than everybody expects, and New Orleans to keep it within six and a half. So I'm going to take the Saints. All right, the Washington Redskins are in Detroit to take on the Lions. This should be an entertaining game. Lions are favored by one and a half points at home against the Skins. Well, yeah. Go ahead, Nick. As a skin fan, I mean, we've won four in a row. I just I can't pick against this. Hello? Oh, we just. That was weird. Just Did lost. we lose Nick? I think so. Make <laughs> sure. I think he was about yeah. to take the Redskins. Maybe that's why I he got cut so. off. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I kind of agree with Nick there. I think I would go with the skins. Um, sorry, just texting him. I just I 
kind of hard to figure out what Detroit's doing. Washington's just the hotter team right now. I know Detroit's won two straight, but I think Washington is hotter. So I'll go with uh, I will go with uh, Washington there. What do you think? I'm just not a believer. I mean, if Washington's won four in a row. I just like the Lions at home. I think they've kind of hit their stride. Uh, I've got no strong feeling here either way. I'm just, you know, I've just learned that in those situations, I go ahead and take the home team and, and hope for the best. I'll take the Lions. Okay. Nick, are you stay- back? Yes, yeah, just got back. I'm not sure what happened okay. there. Lost the signal. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I, – Detroit's capable definitely of upsetting teams like they did with Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. But it just that it's hot as the skins have been playing. I, I have to go with Washington. Not a okay. bad pick. All right, the Battle of Ohio. The Cleveland Browns are in Cincinnati, and the Bengals are favored by 10 points in this game. Uh, geez. I feel like Cleveland's burned me every time I take them, uh, especially double digits. But uh, I, I got to take them again. Uh, new, the Cincy has just looked terrible the last two weeks. Um, just, I mean, granted they played Dallas and New England. This is a different test, but this is a division game. That's just too many points. I, just, I, I feel like this is going to be one of those. One of those dogfight type of games, so I will take a, I'll take the ten points there, even though they're on the road. Nick. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, too many points for a two-win team. Even though Cleveland hasn't won a game yet, uh, I just think you know, huge division rivalry, in-state rivalry at that. Uh, ten points is way too many points for the Bengals to be favored by, especially with Jeremy Hill nursing the injury. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't think Cleveland will win, but it'll be a lot. It'll be closer than ten. Now, uh, Josh, since you're the IDP expert, is Joe Hayden back this week? I, I you know, I don't know. That's the one. Okay. That's the one weird thing with a. I can check on that. That's the one. The one thing weird with IDP is cornerbacks, unless they're required, they're really not a whole, not very valuable. So, just because uh-huh. they're hard to gauge week, hard <clears throat> to gauge week to week. But. Okay. Anyway, I, I, I'm going to go with you guys, and t- it's kind of weird that we swept the board this week on the Browns, but I'm going to take the Browns. <laughs> Plus 10, that 10 points makes it irresistible for me. And I don't think Cleveland has given up their fight. I think they have a lot of fight in them, and I think especially against their in-state rivalry. I think that that they'll they'll show up for the game. So we'll look for them to cover there. Well, as Hugh Jackson came from Cincy, didn't he? Yeah, I believe so. There you um, go. Buffalo is at Miami. The Buffalo Bills favored by three over the Dolphins. Um, you know what? Since that news on the injury, let me check and make sure that we still have a line here, you guys. Uh, Buffalo, Miami. Oh, it's gone down to Buffalo by – actually, no, it's it's three. Still three, Buffalo by three. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the Bills in this one. We talked earlier about the uh, Miami defense losing their uh, their linchpin there, Rashad Jones. So that's, that's going to be huge. It's going to take them a couple weeks to figure out – how they make up for that. So um, uh, they will, I'll, I'll definitely take the Buffalo in this one. Nick, what do you think? Well, this sounds unbelievable, and it's possible that the Honolulu Star Advertiser has a misprint here. But if they're correct, then uh, 
Buffalo is actually the second highest scoring team in the league right now with 162 points on the year. Uh, given that, uh, compared to the fact that uh, Ryan Tannehill has really, really struggled this year along with the whole Miami offense, I have to go with Buffalo. Gosh. Yeah, I hate to step in front of Buffalo here also, but, you know, and I've been fooled before. I mean, Miami had such a good game against the Seahawks their first game, and then it hasn't looked like much since. Then last week, they the, the defense shows up against the Steelers, and since we've got another game at home, I'm looking for them just to uh, to move on that momentum, and I am going to take the uh, the Dolphins once again, especially they're in the same division. Uh, Miami kind of has to have this one. I'm going to look for the Dolphins to uh, to eat this one out. Okay. Yeah, Buffalo Your Raiders. Is the third highest scoring team right now. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to move on to the next game. What Buffalo no, is yeah, what? The third highest. Atlanta at 199, San Diego 173, Buffalo 162. Wow. Well, of course, they have they had a bye? No, they haven't. All right. All right. Uh, the uh, Oakland Raiders are in Jacksonville. And uh, kind of an insult to your Raiders, Josh, uh, Jacksonville is favored by one point in this game. Okay. I think the Raiders like that underdog role. So even though it's even though it's one, um, I have no idea how <laughs> they're going to stop the Blake Bortles and company. But I knew, do know Blake Bortles starts slow and likes to throw a few interceptions here and there. So I, I feel like Derek Carr can out out duel him, and so I'll, I'll take I'll take the Raiders if you're going to give me a point. Why not? It's going to be a high-scoring game, though, I'll tell you that much. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, you do have to stop Blake Bortles, but you only have to for two or three quarters because he does absolutely nothing in the first quarter. So I think your Raiders can handle that and uh, come away with the win there. The Raiders are road warriors, Josh. Did you know they're undefeated on the road this year? I did know that, yeah. They won at New Orleans. They won at Tennessee. They won at Baltimore. They've just had trouble winning games at home. Um, I got it. What did the schedule maker do to them? How many of these games were early starts here? The Titans were an early start. The Ravens were an early start. Uh, yeah, they're really – I don't know what they're doing to the Raiders, but now they have another early start, and uh, the Raiders seem to embrace that uh, – that role. So I'm going to go ahead and take Oakland here in this game also. Even though, I mean, I can't find any reason to like Jacksonville in this game. And I do feel like maybe if the Raiders were coming off another big win, they might be a little, a little bit of a trap game. But since they lost and they know they can should take care of business in Jacksonville and now they're an underdog, they should come in there with a chip on their shoulder and take care of business. Yeah, the real quandary is uh, Jack Del Rio is a defensive coach. What is the, what in the world uh, is wrong with the Raiders' defense? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just not working out the way they thought. All right, this is kind of the who cares game. I, I get you usually label it that way, but this is mine. The oh. Indianapolis Colts are in Tennessee to take on the Titans. Titans are favored by two and a half. This one should be in London. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Can can a division game be the who cares game? I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, how about the two wins combined in the Battle of Ohio for in like a division games? But uh, um, so 
What was the spread? I'm sorry. Two and a half. They're kind of begging you to bet on the Colts. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Tennessee... They're begging you to bet on the Titans. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think I think I'll go with Tennessee in this game. They they got some things going last week, and I know they gave up they gave up a a, la, a last you know a last ditch effort by Cleveland, uh, but they still held on to the victory. So I, I think I think they can go in there and win. They these two teams know each other. I think they can get it done. Why not? I'll take Tennessee. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Indianapolis. I, I think after the way they lost last week, they're going to come out really hungry for to prove to to the world that that's not the team that they are. I I really don't think they're that great of a team, but I think for at least this week they're gonna they're gonna uh, right the ship. Plus, I just you know me, I don't believe in Brock Osweiler, so I'm going with the Colts. Uh, I, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, red, red you don't believe in Mariota. I, I do believe in Mariota long term, but I, I just think for this week that Indianapolis is gonna have more to play okay. for this week. Well, last week when the Colts played the, the Texans, I said, well, you know what? They're used to ruling this division, and they still went in there and laid an egg. Um, I, I like the way that the Titans are rolling and they're building, and they're, they're kind of two teams opposite of each other. Titans are kind of building something there. The Colts seem to be just kind of tearing down, and, and their, uh, their mountain seems to be crumbling. So I'm going to take the team on the rise, and I'm going to take the Titans on this one. Baltimore Ravens are in New York to play the Jets, and believe it or not, this is a pick'em game. How anybody could make it a pick'em after seeing the Monday night game, I don't know. Let me check and make sure that's still a pick'em. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jets. Oh, the Jets are favored by one now. Sorry, guys. Jets are favored by one. What? Because of Geno Smith? Are you kidding me? I'll take. I, I guess so. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Baltimore all the way, even if you're giving me one point. Yeah, yeah. Baltimore definitely. Nick, what do you think? Well, I'm guessing the point spread has to do with uh, Joe Flacco being questionable there for Baltimore. He did say this oh. morning that he expects to be able to play. So I, I, even if he doesn't play, I think the Ravens can win this game though. Yeah, there wasn't a line on this one till late, and I'm sorry I wasn't aware of the Flacco thing, uh, Nick. But you're still going to take the Colts, the uh, <laughs> Colts, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yes. yes, yes. Even if Flacco doesn't play, I'm still taking the Ravens. Yeah, my only problem is it looks so easy. Um, you know the, and and I am taking the Ravens, but. Um, you know, I read an interesting story this morning that uh, under Marty Morningwig, the uh, Baltimore Ravens have taken more shots downfield, and that's where the Jets uh, are most vulnerable. So I'm going to go ahead and take the uh, the Ravens. This looks like it looks so easy it could be a trap, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets somehow win. But I, I can't bet on the Jets. They're, they're just uh, they're, they're floundering. They're, they're going under. San Diego Chargers are uh, go all the way across the country to play Atlanta. Uh, the Falcons six and a half point favorites over the Chargers. Hmm. Wow. Seems like a lot of points, but it is it is the 
the Falcons at home. So I'll, I'll go with it. I, I I don't feel very good about it though. So I'll take Atlanta minus the six or six and a half. Six and a half. Six and a half. Yeah. What do you think, Nick? Well, first, I just want to throw out that the newspaper was not wrong. I just missed San Diego being such a high-scoring team. I guess it's pretty rare that a 2-4 and four team outscores their opponents 173 to 155 on the season. But even though they can put up points, uh, you know, Atlanta is the top-scoring team in the in the nation right now with a 199 points a game. So I, at home, I think they can easily win this one by a touchdown. Here's the strange thing: the uh, the Chargers, even though they've they've lost like four games this year, they have not lost any of those games by more than six points. The Atlanta defense is not that good. They're thirtieth versus quarterbacks, twenty seventh versus running backs, and fifteenth uh, versus wide receivers. Um, San Diego's not that good a defense either. I'm looking for a big game from Tevin Coleman this week on my fantasy team, but um, you know to to get six and a half points with a team that hasn't lost by more than six all year is too good for me to pass up. So I'm going to take the chargers here. Makes sense. Tampa Bay is in San Francisco. This could be your, your uh, who cares game, right? Oh, Josh? Yeah. Tampa oh, Bay yeah, Buccaneers yeah. are favored by one and a half on the road to the uh, 49ers. Yeah. Three wins combined. Uh, I'm guessing this one doesn't get a lot of play in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take Tampa. I don't care if it's seven points. I'll take Tampa. I just don't don't have any faith in in the 49ers right now. So, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's just tough to pick a. No matter who's playing quarterback in San Francisco, it's it's tough to pick the 49ers right now. They're just not playing good football as a team. So yeah, Tampa Bay. Um, you know, in, in my notes for these games, the only thing I wrote down here was yuck, San Francisco. Um, <laughs> that means that means I'm taking San Francisco, but I I, I would not put any money on it just to, just for the sport of it. I'm going to take the uh, the Niners at home, Tampa Bay going across uh, cross country. Um, Maybe Kaepernick, if he plays, he will have a little better game in front of his home crowd. I don't know. Uh, I'll just take the 49ers, and then we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, Interesting their closest, game. Their Go closest ahead. game is Their closest game was a seven-point loss to, to Dallas, besides obviously their 28 to nothing win over the Rams yeah. in week one. I know, and that was that game where I thought San Francisco. I didn't. I didn't believe in Dallas, and I took the Forty ers in that game. So you know, I'm, we'll chalk up another loss for me. Uh, San Francisco. Let's take the Forty ers Now we go from that game to a game of uh, much interest: the New England Patriots uh, on the road in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, and the Patriots on the road, seven and a half point favorites. Yeah, no Big Ben. Um, I think Pittsburgh's probably wishing they would have looked at Brian Hoyer now this offseason rather than <laughs> retain uh, Landry Jones. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll take England. I, I I don't love it, but, I mean, we know how Belichick seems. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to want to run as much as possible with, with Lev Bell and D'Angelo, and that's not – New England's going to be able to stop that. So, I. Yeah, I, I just don't have any faith in Pittsburgh right now. I mean, I know Antonio's still there, but it's it's the, with a different trigger man, and we know how 
how not good Landry Jones was from watching him last year. I, I gotta go. I gotta go. New England all the way. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, hopefully for Steelers fans, Landry Jones has progressed and learned a little more uh, and will play better than he did last year. But I, I don't have any confidence that he can uh, he can help the Steelers uh, beat the, the train that is the New England Patriots right now. Five and one, and, you know, now Tom Brady's back, Rob Gronkowski's healthy. Uh, I see this is definitely a double-digit win for the Patriots. All right. Well, you guys, you never listen to me here. <laughs> you got a team with their number one quarterback down and what's going to be the message in practice all this week defense she got to step up defense she got to step up which kind of scares me because i've got brady as my quarterback and edelman is one of my receivers and i'm really really leery of this uh but the the steelers defense is going to have to win the game for them so look for a lower scoring game um dog on it uh, look for the rest of the team to raise their level. I'm, you know, I, I'm not saying Pittsburgh's going to win. I'm just saying that they're going to. You're going to get a great effort from the Steelers this week, and uh, and you're going to see a close game. If not a win, they'll keep it within the seven and a half. So let's take the Steelers here, and uh, and root them home. Yeah, you know, I I do kind of hear what you're saying there, Chuck. And if it was anybody else besides New England, I probably would be on your side. But No, I love your I, point there because that, I was going to yeah. make that point also, Josh. It's the Patriots. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, for that reason, a little iffy. But, you know, if it wasn't the Patriots, it would only be like a three-and-a-half-point spread or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of balances out there. But, yeah, 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 you make a good point. All right, the Seattle Seahawks are in Arizona. On Sunday night, this will be a good one. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals favored by a point and a half. Hmm. Wow. Um, yeah, I, we don't know what Arizona is. That's the thing. They just they bounce kind of all in, all back and around it again, and they put a couple two cool couple good weeks together, but. Um, that third primetime game in a row, Thursday night, Monday night, now Sunday night. Um, maybe they're getting a little exhausted from the spotlight, but uh, I'll take them. I don't know why, because I really respect Seattle, uh, but I'd, uh, but they're just a different road team. So I'll, I'll take Arizona, hoping, hoping they hold true at home. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go the other way. Uh, you know, Seattle, they're quietly having a really good defensive year. People are just so used to the Seattle defense being good that I think they, they're starting to get overlooked a little bit. They've only given up uh, 78 points on the season, and uh, that's actually uh, tied for second in the league. The only team that's given up less points is the Minnesota Vikings, and we all know how good their defense has been. So I think that the Seattle defense, even on the road, can keep the Cardinals offense in check and probably come away with the win in this one. I think the Arizona defense is the one defense that can hang with Seattle, even though the numbers aren't there. Nick, you're taking Seattle. Um, Bruce Arians just has a way of, uh, of figuring out how to beat the Seahawks. And, uh, you know, I know they've gone up there and, and won, actually, in Seattle. Um, defensive battle, the over-unders here are 44. Um, I'm a little worried about Carson Palmer because he, he's not looking – like that guy and with the big rush, uh, that kind of scares me. But 
I think the uh, the Cardinals have the defense to do it. I'm uh, I'm going to stick with the Cardinals, but Nick, I would not begrudge you taking the Seahawks there either. Yeah, I made light of it earlier too when they left Palmer in the game on Monday night up by three scores in the fourth quarter, and he took a couple big hits coming off a concussion. As yeah. if I have to say that again, but uh, he did lead. He technically left that game with uh, with a tweaked hamstring, and they brought Drew Stanton in for the final for the final drive. It's like they were still going to leave him in there. Are you kidding me? So yeah, if if Seattle gets enough pressure on him, they could uh, they could break that break that Palmer Tower down. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely see both ways. What are you guys' thoughts on uh, John Brown? I've I've got him, and I'm ready to drop him. I picked him up the other week. He just Arizona seems to be kind of like New England in the fact that they spread the ball around to so many different people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Larry, and it's, Larry always gets his, too, and until Larry's, Larry leaves, it's not going <laughs> to – everybody yeah. else is going to be second fiddle. Yeah, Fitz does. You know, one thing I noticed last week, and this has nothing to do with anything, but the Arizona receivers are number 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15. <laughs> in that order. Anyway, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Monday night I, football. I, Go ahead. I was gonna say I think in seasonal, in like a seasonal format, you're probably okay to drop John Brown, especially with you know people popping up every week. But uh, you know he he's still not a bad player to bad player to own. So you know drop him, but don't uh, don't forget about him. All right. Do you, do you agree there? Do you agree there, Nick? Uh, I think in redraft formats, he's probably drop, droppable depending on how deep the league is. If it's a 10-team league, then yes, definitely. Uh, 12-team league becomes a little more questionable, and I think in a 14-team league, he should be on a roster. Yeah, it's a 10-team league, and I picked him up after one of the other players in my in my league dropped him. <laughs> uh, I had him last week. I, it's just I, there's, there, there's lots of better people in a 10-team in a league. Yeah. All right, the Houston – Texans are in Denver. Brock Osweiler comes back to take on the uh, the Denver Broncos, and the Broncos on Monday night are favored by seven and a half. Uh, I, I respect the Denver Broncos um, more than I probably should as a Raiders fan, but uh, I just feel like that's too many points. I, you know. Regardless of what you think about Osweiler, and obviously this defense knows him and his tendencies, I feel like his new team's going to kind of rally around him. And they had a, an impressive comeback win. I know it was a terrible Colts defense, but they still have a, a number one corner in Vontae Davis who, who pretty much controlled DeAndre as much as possible. I mean, he didn't control him like the Vikings did, but he still con- controlled him. Uh, so, I, and and. Denver has a good secondary, but I, I just don't have any faith in the Denver offense right now. Um, I'm actually probably going to be benching Demarius Thomas where I own him this week, so I, I just don't know what what they are right now. And that that effort they put forth last Thursday was not not very pleasing to watch, and it's hard to get excited about them right now. So I just think it's too many points. I think Denver probably wins, but it's going to be a close game there. Nick, what do you think? Uh, I think last week Houston got shut down for three quarters by the Colts defense. Uh, if the Colts defense can shut them down for three quarters, I think the Denver defense can definitely at home shut them down for four quarters. So I'm going to have to go the other way and go with the Broncos. 
Yeah, I'm going to agree with Nick this time. Um, as a matter of fact, Josh, I had the I had Houston picked when, as when I was doing my picks earlier today, and I and I scratched over it and I put in Denver. Um, you've got Osweiler coming back to Denver, and the Broncos are going to want to you know let him know that he made the wrong decision. You've also got Kubiak against his old team that fired him. That's the uh, Houston Texans. So you've got a kind of a double whammy going there. And, you know, I looked at seven and a half points. I thought that's tough to give in a game like that. But then you think, you know, they're probably going to shut Houston down to maybe seven points, maybe ten points. In that case, the Broncos only need 21. Now, the Broncos have lost two in a row. In the first one, they didn't have uh, Simeon. They had Paxton Lynch playing quarterback against the Falcons, who are a very good team. Last week, Gary Kubiak was not there, and it was just kind of a – I mean, they, they, they got the Chargers at, at the right time for the Chargers. So um, look for the Broncos to try to put things together this week, and, won't, and, and it's kind of a little bonus that they're going to get to beat Osweiler, and uh, Kubiak's going to get to beat the Texans. So um, let's look for the Broncos to try to run up the score here. I don't think they'll show much mercy on the Texans, and I'm going to go ahead and, and lay the 7.5 for the Broncos. It is interesting too that it's seven and a half, yet the over under is only forty and a half. So they, they yes. are, they're definitely looking for a Denver, a Denver uh, convincing win, if you will. Uh, I just I don't see it, but uh, I've been wrong before. Well, that's why um, that's what the odds makers want. They want people to disagree. You know, some people to like that point spread, some people to not. And that's the way we make our money. Oh, I wanted to uh, tell you one thing. I don't know if, if you uh, caught on, if you caught any of this when you were here in Los Angeles or not, Josh, but Las Vegas does, since they don't do their, uh, you know, the DraftKings and all that here in Nevada, uh, Nevada has its own kind of uh, fantasy football betting that you can get in on. Did you see that at any of the casinos you were at? I did, I did not, no. Okay, it's 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 kind of a pair of mutual where they group all the quarterbacks, and you pick a, a player to win, place, or show, kind of like a horse race, with oh. who get who scores the most fantasy points each week. So, um, and they'll have it for quarterbacks, for running backs, for uh, I believe tight ends, uh, wide receivers. They might have it for kickers. I don't know for sure, um, but. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting. If you're ever in Las Vegas, seek that out. It's going to be at most of the casinos here. Within the, it's at some of them right now. It should be here in the next couple of weeks at uh, most of the casinos. Sounds dangerously addicting. <laughs> like gambling. I haven't, I haven't tried any yet because I'm just not bored with point spread betting, you know, yet. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll check into that one of these days. I like that wooden placer show. That's that's. That seems interesting. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool, and they have payoffs just like horse races. I think last week, um, gosh, I don't know. Trifecta. I wish I had the newspaper in front of me. Yeah, you can actually do exactas and trifectas too. <laughs> uh, I actually, for two weeks, was a simulcast horse and dog teller. <laughs> really? Punch it into this really weird cash register slash computer thing. I never really quite got it, which is probably why I didn't last longer than two weeks. But <laughs> well, I have uh, a lot of res- I have a lot of respect for those tellers because you you go up and say I like a I need a you know a, an exact a one two over the three seven eight you know and, and they know exactly yeah. the buttons to push. I I'm just glad that they know what they're doing. Yeah, it's not easy. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> I could not hang. We'll we'll leave it at that. So. 
That is all we have for you today, as always. Chuck, thanks for being our uh, odd man out there in Vegas. Uh, okay, no problem. Okay, we will talk to you next week. But Okay, thanks, Josh. Bye, Nick. Have a good one. Okay, that is, that's where we're done today. Um, I actually have things figured out for next week for once. Uh, Dynasty Dilemma is kind of a little not as in, not as enticing one but uh maybe maybe some other people think so but i thought we'd go take a look at a couple wide receivers who were kind of some people's sleepers moving into this season and they've actually done better than a lot of people thought we're going to do uh terrell Pryor versus sammy coates um i my choose my turn to choose so i will take Pryor, leaving nick with coates um I guess present situation <laughs> excluded on that one since it is a dynasty dilemma. Um, and then the uh, four against is uh, Clive Walford. So uh, I am the Raiders fan, but I am actually going to go against Walford. So so Nick will have Sammy Coates and Sammy Coates versus Terrell Pryor and the four side of Clive Walford. All right. Sounds good. I will I'll definitely be playing devil's advocate with uh, Sammy Coates, but yeah, look forward to the challenge. <laughs> All right, uh, and he's good at these things, so don't don't worry about Nick. Uh, just just pray that pray that I find him use. <laughs> so uh, that is all we have for you, and we will talk to you next week. Uh, good luck on your games, everybody. <laughs>